0: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
1: Welcome to the News Podcast number 873. This is from Talking with Chris Hardwick episode with Jordan Peele who was an incredible guest and has, I'm going to say, almost single-handedly changed the way films are going to be, like this genre of films are going to be made uh, from here on out. But what an incredible achievement. I mean, between Key and Peele and now Get Out, uh, I, I adore this man and and he's, I'm, I'm jealous of his incredible talent. Have you ever wanted to direct anything, Will? I have and I've always been afraid to. TV's I've... Will Wheaton. I've, uh, I, I would never want to direct that guy because he wants to direct. Yeah. And they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I have um, because one of the one of my problems as an actor is that I tend to get a little cerebral and overly analytical about things. Uh, as I think about how this is all going to like work together as a whole piece, that's great as a director, but it can inhibit a performance as an actor. Well, uh, he, I think Jordan would tell you you should use those analytical skills and direct because we talk about that very thing in this episode. Get Out is currently available on digital download. And will be available on Blu-ray and DVD May 23rd. It's and he's, so good. It's so great. And he actually talks about some alternate endings in this, in this conversation. Oh. Some stuff he didn't shoot and then some stuff that they did shoot. So here we go. Um, talking with Chris Hardwick is on Sunday nights on AMC at 11 o'clock. Uh, our next guest is – other uh, guests, uh, the cast of Orange is the New Black. Uh, Get fantastic. out! Yeah, they were all f- wonderful. Uh, so here we go. Nerds Podcast number 873. Katie. I see what you did there, by the way. By the way, thank you. I I I didn't want to I know while I was I I rolled past it pretty quickly. Because it was pretty good. It was pretty slick. Yeah. Uh, Katie, roll that thing.
0: Now entering nerdist.com.
1: My guest to smash cinematic records with his groundbreaking horror-thriller comedy Get Out Not only was it a huge box office hit, but it was critically acclaimed, getting 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is damn near impossible. Uh, The film marked his directorial debut, and if that wasn't enough of an accomplishment, he also wrote and produced it. Uh, We're going to talk about what it's been like since Get Out has become the most talked about film of the year, his hugely popular sketch comedy series Key & Peele that he created with Keegan-Michael Key, his background in improv, as well as his passions and his insights. It is my absolute pleasure to say that tonight, Jordan Peele will be talking with Chris Hardwick. We have heard you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook using at Talking I'll read your questions, comments, comments uh, That you sent to using a hashtag TalkingHard We're going to see some video messages up here People in the studio audience are going to ask questions I'm going to give them things You're specific
2: Jordan Peele fans Yeah
1: yeah, You have fans And I, I am so delighted and honored That you came to do the show because you were on the Nerdist podcast. Literally, the you—I think you left the podcast to go to the premiere of Get Out.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then I mean that was yeah that was the day that uh, my life changed. It, it really great, did. Yeah, it really did. No, it, it was so. It was such a, ama- I I love talking to you. About oh, it, thank by you. The way. It was like one of my favorite interviews I got to do because I, I got to nerd out. I mean, it was it was it was awesome. Well,
1: also because, <laughs> I mean, you, you you really did invent a genre, and you were talking about it on the podcast when you said, you know, I, I really wanted, I loved this idea of a social thriller. Yeah. And then Get Out is made, I don't know, like $150 million or something crazy, some insane number like that? Or is insane it
2: insane number, yeah. Uh, is it more than that? I, you know, it's it's all in my bank account. You don't even know. What so mean? <laughs> last time, so I'll check my video. Um... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I think that, that, that's very nice. I'm very strategic to, like, sort of coin the phrase social thriller for Get Out because, you know, it's like, you know, I realized I, was make, I wasn't really a horror, wasn't really a psychological thriller, and so that was kind of what it was. But to be honest, there's been many, so, you know, Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby I sure. talk about all the time. Um, you know, they have that same quality where, you know, humanity itself is the villain. right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 I did coin the term, but, uh, I don't think I made the first social thriller. And and in fact, I I would say that all the thrillers, all the horror movies that really hit and strike some kind of chord are appealing to us on some social level.
1: But I think that's what's so, you know, interesting and also, um, a bummer for humanity is, is how much this tapped into something that involves race relations and the way people communicate and the way, uh, they exist in America today. So it is sort of a hooray. Oh, that's too bad. That's you know, it's bad. like, it's, it's kind of a bummer at the same time. Yeah. I mean, the, I think
2: the, uh, I, and I think the hard part of, of doing it is that uh, doing the, the movie, the way, the way I did it, where I'm diving straight into this very difficult, uh, topic to discuss, right? Race is kind of a, it's, it's kind of a, a, a conversation killer in a lot of situations. Sure. And that was kind of the problem I was, I was looking to, to address. Like, that, why don't we have this um, expressed in a horror movie, in a modern horror movie? I think the difficult thing is when you make a movie that's hitting it right out the gate and the audience knows they're going to see something about race, that can go well or that can go bad. Sure. Um, you know, people, people can feel like, I don't want to go get preached at. Right. Um... Uh, whereas if you, if you do a movie about UFOs and it sort of sub, uh, subconsciously taps to a, on our fears of invaders from a different uh, land, right. then you have a little bit of a smoother end. We're so, going to build a wall. Build a wall in space? <laughs>
1: That's right. We're going to build a space wall. Build a space wall. We're going to we're, we're make the Martians pay for it. Whoa, <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> Take it easy. That's right but uh, uh but you've seen the uh, you've seen the movie with a bunch of different audiences, and so do different do different demographics react to the film in different ways, or is it sort of do they respond uniformly Well
2: first of all, like nothing is better than getting to watch an audience experience the film right it's just the most it's the most uh exhilarating feeling satisfying thing to me um and what I find is you know the the most interesting to me is mixed mixed audiences so you know like half white half Black or minority, um, because, you know, you know, we deal with these sort of microaggressions in the movie and these this idea of, you know, like, you know, Chris, the main character of the, of the movie at a certain point, he's at this party and you have he, he's surrounded by, you know, the, the, the grandfather's all friends, all a bunch of old white people, basically. And uh you know everybody, the first thing they want to say to him is is their their connection with his blackness, right you know, so it's this uh you know hey, you know you know i I, I love tiger <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love tiger woods and, and so um you know those moments right there that party is very fascinating to watch black people i I think have this feeling where we it's like that's that's something that's happened to us right and and, and it's and and that feeling of isolation. Um, is is very familiar. And I think that from the white side of the crowd, there's a recognition too, but maybe more of a, oh, have I done that?
1: (laughs) Well, also, because I think some... I think some white people approach black people like every black... Like, like, all
2: black people work for the same company. I think the line is, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're a white person, if you see a black person, if the first thing that wants to come out of your mouth is something about black culture... Right. Maybe you should, maybe you should back Maybe away. you should back
1: away. And <laughs> also, if it is the first thing that comes out of your mouth... Cut your losses. Don't try to make it better. Don't like, try to make yeah, it better. You've yeah. already lost. Walk away. I'm just saying, two yeah. of my friends. Okay, I should That's leave. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's
2: not a thing. You know, I, I would say it's not the type of thing where you can't talk about black culture with a black person. It's not that. Right. It's, it's, and, and what I try to show with the movie is that, you know, part of the, the black uh, identity, well, or at least mine, is, you know, the feeling like you, you, get, you get in that situation over and over again, it adds up. And it adds up to this feeling that I'm more my race than I am a person, right. In a way, right? So, anyway, it, it's 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 amazing watching the audiences experience that together. But I, I also feel like by the end of the the film, uh, and it, any any crowd I've seen is is totally on the same page. It,
1: and this idea of identity you bring up is interesting because uh, you're you're mixed race, and so is Keegan actually. Yeah. And so, how do you? want to get these messages out in a
2: way that you feel like fairly represents all sides but i mean it's it, this is the question of my life you know this what what is what does identity mean um, i'm i definitely identify as a black man um but i have a white mother and so growing up with that um you know, it, 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 in that sort of in between place ha, you know in some ways makes you feel uh connected to um the the different sides of your culture different uh, American identities, yeah. in, different, in a different way, it makes you feel um, sort of like the outsider of, of being uh, anyone. But um, certainly, as far as I'm, as far as my identity, as far as anyone's concerned in this country, I'm a black man walking down the street. How much of Get Out was intentional and
1: how much did you, when you were making it, it just sort of accidentally happened? You're like, oh my gosh, wow, I guess
2: I really did have this bit of a story to tell, and I didn't even realize it at the time. You know, I, I was working on the story for so long. I worked on it for about five years before I even put, uh, started writing the script. And about halfway through um, coming up with it, sort of realized where these images and these ideas were coming from, and it was this, 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 this racial fear. And um, I specifically sort of found this connection with uh, the, the prison industrial system, and 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 modern, you know, modern day slavery, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember I had a, a a moment where I, you know, I stopped, I was having fun writing the script. I had to stop and cry because I I was literally thinking about, you know, the 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 black men and women that are tossed into jail for most of their lives for maybe, you know, ha- holding less weed than I was smoking when I wrote the movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so that was a very profound moment when I was, I, 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 I didn't set out to talk about that, but halfway through coming up with the, the whole thing, I realized that's what this movie needed to be about was this, this sort of complacent uh, abduction of, of black men. Did you ever worry like, oh, this is I don't want to not be respectful of, the, of
1: what I'm trying to say, so how do I express this idea in a way that doesn't
2: bum anyone out and miss the mark? Exactly. I mean, that was the whole thing. And, and the whole reason I rec- you know, recognized early, I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's make a, a horror movie about race. And recognizing the problem is, if it's too funny, if it's too silly, you're not doing justice to the seriousness of the issue. Right. If it's too serious... It's a total bummer. No one wants to go go to the theater just to see racial violence or torture, so it has to strike this tone, it has to somehow still be fun uh, you know just just the the notions of you know these these sort of symbols of white world being sort of villainous. I knew that was kind of funny, right like, I, knew, I know you know Jeremy holding a lacrosse stick. Is like there's a reference there that's like oh my god right it's like it's funny it's it's good um, but then I also know we had this character you know Rod right he's saying what we would say if we were in that situation he's, right he's sort of he's using his human his black perceptiveness his TSA Spidey sense yes <laughs> yes and and, um, and I think that there's uh, so. Ultimately, I think that because I play everything, I take those sort of comedic notions and we played everything as real as possible. It's like, okay, we've got this I mean, when you think about it, oh, totally over the top B-movie premise. So let's try and make what if this was real. And that's kind of that's that's how we sort of tried to strike the tone. But even from a directing standpoint, Rod was perfect because he's basically
1: never in the action. Like, he's separate. Right. So you have the story, you have Chris's story going on in this one area, mm-hmm. and then you cut away, and it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like a Greek play where it's like the guy's doing the asides to the audience, mm-hmm. like, and now
2: this is going to happen, you it, know. He's, he's the observer. So right. So he's, Rod is kind of us. But, yeah, he becomes more of the, the part inter, uh, of the plot than uh, we originally realized he's going to be. And for that, I was very... Um, I was into that, you know, the, the, the Stephen King-ish moments. So the in from uh, the shining Scatman Crothers character. Yes, yes. Right, who all of a sudden becomes the guy who, ooh, we have, there's a hope in this, this ally we've made early on. And then also the, um, the, the sheriff from Misery, right? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, you know, that guy, yeah. Both characters who get killed, you know, but, yeah. but there's, this, there's this second wave of intrigue and, like, this, uh, you know, when all hope is lost, there's this hope that, hey... Maybe uh, maybe our, our old ally from the beginning is going to come save the day. We just have to take a quick break. More with Jordan Peele when we come back on Talking.
1: We are back with Jordan Peele. Um, oh, by the way, congratulations! Get Out is the first debut film by a black filmmaker to reach over one hundred million dollars at the box office. Crazy <laughs>
2: accomplishment. Hard to be proud. I know what you're saying. It's hard to be proud in 2017. It's like, yeah. why didn't this happen before? Hard to, hard to be proud to be the first one. But I'm just thrilled people are getting the movie and that it is uh, its is—it's—it's starting conversation, you know? Good.
1: Now, are you going to develop more films that have the, a social message, social thriller? Or was this just, was this just sort of, a, oh, this is this, but I'm going to go do something else differently now? Because what I wonder is... You know, listen, Hollywood responds to money, and this has made a lot of money. And so do you, are you concerned that other people are going to set out to make social thrillers? I just feel like there's a fine line between
2: social thriller and exploitation. I'll tell you, I mean, I, it, is, it is hard to do. It is hard to find that line. So, But I, I'm, I love the idea of uh, inspiring more work, um, you know, less on the, the studio level, more on the artist level, um, but it is. It's it, it's tough to, to needle that thread. Uh, the, the beauty of horror and and, and and comedy as well, to me as art forms to deal with social social messages, is that there's a built-in sort of contract with the audience and, and the the filmmaker that with those genres, um, I might cross the line a little bit. Right. There's an irreverence that's expected. Um, you know, I always say like the the biggest R-rated horror movie of all time is The Exorcist, and I mean people saw this movie, and it's a cherished. And you know, there's some scenes in that movie that are just not okay. Like you can't <laughs> you can't be a wholesome American and be like, yeah, Exorcist is just scary. Like no, yeah. you can't you can't do that. So it just kind of goes to show you with with the that genre, you can you can cross the line, which. Um, I think allows you to deal with difficult issues. Something like race is usually a conversation that once somebody crosses that line, it's, the conversation has to stop. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. it's too uncomfortable. It's too much. There's too... Nobody wants to have that conversation. Are, but if you do it in horror, then the audience is there because it's fun. You have the barrier. You have the barrier
1: of... Um, you know, there's 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 the barrier of oh, it's not real. It's a horror.
2: It's not, or it's comedy. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be. You know, you can. That's right. This person made this movie for me. I went into the movie knowing I, knowing it was meant to horrify me. So I'm already I'm already part of this conversation. Um, and if it's effective, you know, that's what you know. Keegan and I always felt like with uh, with comedy, it's you can you can talk about anything um, if you get the laugh. Right you don't get the laugh you shouldn't have gone there <laughs> <laughs> well that's
1: part of the tightrope act of yeah. comedy too is like can you talk about can you make this funny and if you make it funny I mean, you just look at like what south park gets away with is so blows me away yeah and then i kind of wonder part of it is probably like well it's south park they bit, you know they were sort of grandfathered in in a pre-social media era you know i feel like if south park started now there would be social media campaigns, you know, and against it, mm-hmm. and but it's like, oh, that's South Park, but also, you know, I, I they do write. I mean, like a lot of stuff in the show is still is funny, you know, yeah. and they do get away with stuff because it's funny and it doesn't just seem like they're trying to make. I think there's some of it's in the motivation, too. Are you just saying stuff to shock people and get a reaction, or is there a real statement behind
2: the comedy? Right. They have, I mean, they, they do some of the best uh, social satire ever, right? They, they just know humanity and what's, you know, what's, what's wrong with us so right. well. Um, you know, I think, and I think in the beginning it was, like, this idea that, oh, because they're, they're cartoons and they're cute, they can get away with foul there's another language. layer of separation. But the, um, you know, as, you, as they've gone on, like you said, it's... Um, there's this, yeah. There's this understanding that they're kind of untouchable in a way. Like they don't, they don't care what you think. Right. And we know that, so they can they can kind of do it. Uh, there's something about being unapologetic and and also, uh, you know, uh, consistent. Like they get everybody. Right. Right. It's acro- across the board. <laughs> That's Right.
1: But I, I worry that there's no um, people aren't interested in conversations anymore. I I worry that what social media is is slowly doing to us and i owe i think pretty much my whole career to social media but i think what it's slowly doing to us is eroding our ability to have meaningful conversations because it's so much about getting attention and so much about getting likes and so much about that people just shout at each other mm-hmm. and there's no and you realize Oh, I don't think anyone really cares about conversation. I mean, not anyone, but I don't think a lot of people really care about understanding and compassion and conversation. They're just frustrated and they just want to be hurt. So people are just shouting at each other back and forth. And there's no, no one ever steps back and says, well, wait a minute. What if we really tried to understand one another? Yeah. So how do, how do you recommend that people actually... And I know this is a dumb... Qu- it feels- sounds like a dumb question. Maybe it is. But how do people really have conversations
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 a really good question, and like the internet, yeah, it's the internet's a a monster, but it's also (laughs) it's 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 it's, but it's it's crazy because it's you know in some ways it's so you know it's this huge technological thing like television, it's brought us closer, it's made the world smaller in a way. So you have to acknowledge the good that it brings. Like we live in a world where now like somebody could go home right now and fall in love with their bride in Australia. Right. You know what I mean? So that there, is, there, are, there is bringing people together, but there's also, like, bringing together of people that kind of should be apart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's like... The, that, that's where the, the hatred comes. Like, you, we're closer to our enemies, too. Yeah. And then when you add the, fa- the factor of the anonymity, the mask of the Internet... That's when people's demons really start coming out. It is. It is. Um, you know, I I, I I keep
1: saying yes. Free speech is a right. Anonymous speech is a privilege. And because so many people, it's just my feeling. Because I feel like so many people. And and there are there are times where being able to be anonymous is is vital to someone, especially if if there are human rights violations or if they're legitimately in danger. But I feel like so many people weaponize anonymity yeah. online that it just. It's like, you're fucking ruining it for the good people. Come on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think it's, it's kind of like a, you know, a wild west frontier, right? The, right. The, the regulations, the laws. It's Deadwood. The internet's Deadwood. deadwood. Yeah. And the dudes running around Deadwood with Jason masks are like the, the dudes you, you don't want to talk to. Great. No, they, they, they're just so chaotic
1: evil. They just they're want chaotic evil. Yeah, they just want to slash and burn,
2: yeah. Yeah. no matter they're, what. Yeah, they're the Joker. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we have this to deal with uh, now, and uh, and feels like one of those guys is the president. Do you? I think he would even agree at a certain point. Yeah, I'm
1: surprised the uh, i I'm, su- I'm surprised the uh, the the swearing in music wasn't just.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good bit. Someone's, someone can and is about to cut that together. Right <laughs> They're going to cut together.
1: Yeah, and our national anthem should just be an air horn. <laughs> 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 but uh, <laughs> do you feel uh, a, a, a greater sense of responsibility now? Because you are, you've become, uh, Jordan was just uh, placed into Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. Congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely deserved. But do you feel pressure like, oh, do I have to be the voice of a generation now? Or do you want to be that? Or, you know, nurturing other people and helping
2: them with their projects. Like, do you feel the weight of that responsibility now? Yeah, I do feel it. You know, part of the the strangest thing with all of this is that, you know, I made a movie that had a... a, a, my, My intent was to... Was mischief, in a way. You know, my intent was to make something that was um, not, not okay. Right. <laughs> and that would kind of provoke response and that something that was irreverent, that sort of crossed that line in order to talk about it. And so now I feel like par- par- certain images in this movie have become greater than me or the movie, I mean, like the sunken place. Right. Right. I feel like there's this deep uh, resonance with um, the black community, especially with this idea that, that, you know, this this place is a a, manif- a, a psychological manifestation that is uh, imprisons us and keeps our voices from being heard and, and our opinions expressed. Um, and so I realize, you know, for some people that, you know, I. I remember seeing a tweet somewhere where somebody was like, hey, I want to do a parody of Get Out. And someone else jumped on them and was like, hey, the work that Jordan Peele did was, you know, <laughs> that was uh, that was to be respected. Right. You no, know, you don't do, you know, and I'm like, I'm like Key and Peele, like, two, three years ago, I was doing, like, <laughs> Puppy Dog Ice Tea, you know? I'm like, <laughs> so, but it's it's hard for me to make that that transition. Like, oh, you know what? It's like, this this movie is about fun, but for some people, some of the ideas in here aren't, laughing matters. Right. And it, there's... there's, it, it, It's... I'm in awe of, of th- this... Watching this project kind of influence other artists and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, I... I my, my goal is to kind of... Is to continue to make stories, to continue to push um, representation of, you know, all, all the untapped voices and faces the best I can. You
1: said something that I thought was very powerful, where you said, well... There are certain stories that only black people can tell. There are certain stories
2: that only black directors can tell. And you know, I, 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 I realized this was the case while making this movie and while writing this movie. Halfway through writing it was my eureka moment that I was the only person who could direct it. Um, but I, I think part of what was holding me back from even thinking it was a makeable film was was feeling like Hollywood is is. Um, is, is white, and that most people don't know who directs movies and whatnot. Right. So, uh, you know, when you watch a movie, you're not thinking about the director. So I, I felt like, look, if my movie comes out and people watching it and presume, because it's Hollywood, they presume it's a white director, this movie has a completely different um, vibe to it. Right. right. You know, can you trust this movie? And um, so um, th- I think that's why why... I became a, 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 an important part of the story of bringing this movie out in, in a way. is to say, well, look, this is what happens when, you know, Hollywood gives uh, a black director a chance at making a, 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 a horror movie about race. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I, there, there are, there was moments, the, that party scene, I felt like that party scene, you, you have to have been there to direct that.
1: And also, everyone in the movie is fantastic, too, by the way. Like, all the performances yeah. are, are f- phenomenal.
2: This is why I love directing, is because I can, I can, you know, if I'm, if I'm acting in something, I can, I'm like, you know, you, it's like hearing your own voice. And it's like, no, please, God, no. You, can hate, you, you can't quite bring yourself to enjoy it as an audience. Um, directing this movie, I, I get to watch these actors perform. And... I really just truly feel like each one of them is is a is a masterpiece. Uh, do you it,
1: it, because of who you because of you know your background in improv and sketch and key and peel was anyone surprised that you didn't want to be in the movie?
2: Well, I don't think I don't think surprised. I, you know there was a lot of people who asked and I think there was some interest early on but a, it was people who didn't quite you know, couldn't quite wrap their head around the tone I was going for. Right. And I thought that, you know, if I'm in it, it's like, oh, okay, so this is his, this is his scary movie, you know right. what I mean? And, and which, I, you know, I love scary movies, so don't, don't get me wrong. But this, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to give people the idea this was a key and peel flavored right. movie because it's so, it, 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 it has its own thing going on. Um, And then I'm not that big a fan of myself. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Well, I mean, look, look. I mean, you know, the two roles I could have conceivably played would have been Chris and Rod. Right. And, I mean, look at the dudes that I got to play Chris and Rod. Right. I mean, it's a different level. Directing to me is scares the shit out of me and i want you to direct but i know you do because, and i yeah. don't know why well because look i mean the the way you consume things it's it's it's, it's all like it's a mat. you know Brad, bradley whitford said it to me once he was like you know directing is it's taste it's all taste but if you, you have the good taste i know that's your fear that you're gonna make <laughs> the wrong choice of course it like is <laughs> but the fact that you scrutinize these 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 You would put the right scrutiny on it, and then you would uh, rely on the the advice of the people around you. Well, I know, but we. So before, when I
1: went and said hi to Jordan in the dressing room, we kind of got off on a. uh, I got us onto a tangent about Ghostbusters, and there's uh, (laughs) typical. Uh, (laughs) And and, there's a uh, there's a there's a there are some there were some cut scenes on the Ghostbusters DVD from just stuff that was cut out. Um, and if you know the movie Back to Front, as I do, it was interesting to see, but they did this thing where Aykroyd and Bill Murray were, like, that SNL thing where you have SNL people on, they're going to do characters in the thing. So they they play these two guys, and I think they might have been, like, homeless guys or just old guys walking through Central Park or something, and I watched that scene, I was like, holy shit, I am glad they cut this out. It's not good. It's not good. (laughs) And so, so I think about that, and I think... You're Ivan Reitman, you have two of the biggest comedy stars in your movie... And you're about to cut out a scene where they're, you know, doing... Ca- how do you know to do that? Like, it just... There are a million wrong yeah. ways to present a movie and, like, maybe one or two right ways but to you know present what? a movie. But you know
2: what? You had, in your instinct, you had the right answer. But
1: I, <laughs> I just said, I know that's bad. I didn't say... <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, That's I don't all know. you need
2: as a director. I know that's bad. I know that's bad. I know that's bad. I know that's bad.
1: Was it... But, I mean, this, this was your first movie,
2: so yeah. how, how did you handle it as a, as a director was there a lot of uh... a lot of emotional support from my wife? <laughs> I was, it was so it was so diff it was such a difficult. Uh, str- I mean, everything is coming at you. So mu- so many decisions, so many choices. Problems arise, and um, it was so fun, and it was so fun-, fun to be in that zone. But by you know by the middle of the process, at the end, I would be like, mm, "Baby, I want to come home." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was nuts. But you just, I mean. You, you ask people. You don't be ash- don't be afraid to ask people's opinion. What do you think of this? Right. You like this one or this one? And you don't think they're gonna go? You're the director. You're supposed to know. Yeah. Well, yes. If they do that, you move to the next person. Oh, gotcha. Well, what do you think then? <laughs> um, yeah. And it's it's uh, it's, it's old timey when you direct. It's all. It's, so you wore the, the you wore the pants I and the big bullhorn. and the all right angle. Places, everybody. I had a
1: little, you know, cigar, little. Here's Joan Crawford. Joan, <laughs> where is she? Where's Joan Crawford? But no. you. Do you, did you as a sketch performer because i i i 'm always fascinated by the way that um stand up and and sketch improv people diverge because I feel like we are all definitely from the same magical pool, yeah, and that pool is uh dirty, broken water but uh, <laughs> but I toyed with sketch and improv in the beginning, and then I realized oh i don 't like being other people, I just like being me, but then I find well, sketch people really don't like doing stand-up for the most part because they like being in character. Yeah. So are you comfortable being yourself as a director, or do you, do you, did you come on like, and play the role of it? Like, did you have a char- like, the right. role of a character? Sort of
2: brilliant the way you broke it down. It's that you know, I went into sketch and improv, I think because I was unclear what I could offer the world that would be um, understood or accepted right. by them. So being in character was m- much more comfortable for me. Um by the time by the time I made this move and and, and Key and Peel was actually huge. Like that's I started doing stand up for the first time in preparation for Key and Peel just to see like well what is what's what's what is who what's my identity? What am I what do I if this show has my name on it, what am I talking about? Right. Um, and then that you know that kind of helped inform the show and evolved me as, uh, uh, helped me evolve as an artist. By the time I was um, directing this movie, I, I feel like I was just very clear with the vision of the movie. So you know, I just knew I had to facilitate that thing. Um, to me, uh, the the way to direct is um, to uh, have fun with people and to help them have fun. So. You know, I, I I try and use my comedy to get laughs. Yeah. During the thing, like while I'm directing, I, du- you know, you know, I, a director is Obama. <laughs> the time, are we ready? Well, you know, maybe I'll listen to Obama. You're gonna listen to Jordan. Uh, <laughs> And that this like breaks the tension for the people. You get like a, a a two laugh. You get a little murmur, <laughs> which is, like you know, five p.m. on a on a Thursday is like needed juice, I think.
1: Yeah, but that but then you get to that crucial point where you're like, hmm, all right, it's going okay. Do I pull out now or
2: double down double on double it? Down. Yeah, I mean it it, uh, it becomes like a yeah, it became like a little bit of a these little mini sets you get to do these little mini. But yeah. It, it for me it's it's keep keep it fun yeah you know I, I i'm 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 not i'm not about having a set where there's there's uh drama or tension or right. anger or uh d- disrespect you know it's the the whole thing everybody should be uh you know gets rid of their ego for this idea well i feel like that's going to be easier for
1: you now especially because now that you've made this movie, I feel like people are really going to come in now and go, "Oh, I mean, it might you might be in a weird
2: situation where you just go, 'Hey, yeah, I'm just Jordan.' Yeah, well, you know, hey, just chill out. Everything's fine. It is weird. You want to? You, you kind of want to uh, replicate the uh, conditions of the first one because it, it did the balance of it kind of worked. Um, so it, uh, I am. I'm. It's going to be well. There's going to. I think there's going to be a
1: a a reverence. <laughs> that you might not be entirely comfortable with. Because you may not feel that way about yourself. You know, it's like when people... Especially if you're if you're a comedian, you probably <laughs> kind of hate yourself a little bit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there's stuff about yourself you're not happy about, and comedy is armor, and it's defensive, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, and so, you know, now I think because of the importance of this film, both socially and also financially, I think, you know, peop- you're going to have to get used to that a little bit or try to figure out how to, like... Just, you know, like ground, ground people a little bit around you. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's interesting. It, 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 you, it, you may be right. And, and, and one of the, the, the hard things to accept, but one of the most amazing things about this project is that there was no, there was no uh, proof that this was going to work. Right. Um, so, so everybody that did the project really took a leap of faith with me and um that that was just like that was incredibly meaningful because it's the type of thing it's like hey uh you know brad Catherine um you want to play these this weird um liberal elitist racist villain you know it's like all those words together what do you think some ways that... I mean, there's so many ways that could ruin their career. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, there's, there's, there's ways the movie could work and it could ruin your career. Right. So um, to, get, to get that level of faith and trust from such talented uh, actors... Established actors is like pretty crazy uh, We
1: have to take a quick break yeah. When we come back I want to talk about uh, Key and Peel. I want to have audience members Ask some questions of their own We're going to hear from you guys Also at home If you want to be a part of the show At Talking on Facebook Twitter and Instagram You will find exclusive updates About upcoming guests And you can ask any questions That you might have Using the hashtag Talking Hardwick We'll be right back With Jordan Peele <laughs> Welcome back to talking with Chris Hardwick My guest Jordan Peele Enough out of this mouth Let's, uh, let's let someone From the audience Ask a question Get on up here
0: Hi, my name's Jillian. I'm here from Atlanta. Hello. Hi. My question is: Were you ever fearful that Get Out wouldn't be perceived well because of your reputation as a comedian?
2: You, you know, there was there was some of that. There was, I mean, the fear was are people going to presume it's something else? And how do you get people to understand what it is without showing them the movie? Um, which I think is still kind of the case. Like you can, you can't. You kind of can't really. There's not a lot to compare it to. So yeah, that was that 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 was a fear, but I you know, I, I also knew that it would be a a welcome change from my from my comedy because uh, it's uh, you know, the the, the 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 fun is there, the comedy is there, and then there's some other things going on too. Here, this is for, you. for you. This one's for you.
1: Let's see what the internet wants to know. It's S D O T K Hannah. I just saw Get Out. And OMG, Jordan Peele, you are brilliant. So, these are all caps. So many layers, so much symbolism, so deep. You're amazing. Uh, and then K G Forever says, Get Out was amazing. Jordan Peele, you did an awesome job. Uh, Quesadilla Bad says, Let's not forget about Get Out. Come Oscar season, Jordan Peele's direction and screenplay is amazing. I think it totally. You probably aren't even thinking about that sort of a thing. But I think it absolutely. Oh, yeah. I
2: mean, Look, I, yeah, no, well, hey, hey, come on. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's, it's. I'm, I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so living this moment here. It's, it's. I couldn't even. Uh, but if the, there.
1: but if the academy, I mean, if if the idea is like, hey, let's celebrate fresh, innovative, important films. It's completely fresh, completely innovative, really imp- I mean, it's like it. Ch- listen, wow, thank you're you. hearing it here first. Very oh. nice of you. Very nice, uh, very. nice If it doesn't happen, forget I said this. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. And then also, uh, Lung Y on Twitter says, "Get out is amazing. Balls to the wall from
2: the word go. A perfect opening scene. Great score and sound. Yeah, the score was phenomenal too. Amazing. I mean, Michael Abels is the is the composer, and he's he's a guy who hasn't he hasn't done a film before. He he's a real master of classical, jazz, tribal, it, all all a uh, real eclectic guy. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I I I needed somebody who could put together a new sound." You know, I needed something. That I I need. I knew the movie was new, a new idea, and the only way to tell it would be with this new sound. So he, you know, he. I, I asked him to put together something that felt like a haunted Negro spiritual, right? You know, and or uh, you know, some some something decidedly black voices. De- you know, definitely black voices, but with this. Um, this darkness that we haven't we haven't we don't hear typically in black music, and he he nailed. Were the words saying anything? Was it saying? Anything? Yeah, the whole uh, "Siki Lisa" was kind of this. It was it was kind of an extension of the the warning, right? Get out. Mm-hmm. You know the warning that we scream at the screen when people don't do the smart thing. <laughs> Get out. And uh, so the, the, the you know the warning is you know trust your ancestors, uh, run, beware. It's sort of these warnings. And then, of course, we get into uh, you know Redbone of Childish Gambino, right. which, which sort of s- sums it all up in "Stay Woke." Um,
1: there is an. Uh, this is K Nicole seventy four on Instagram. Is there an alternate ending to "Get Out"? If so, why did you feel the need for an alternate ending?
2: Mm-hmm. You don't feel the need for an alternate ending. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of happens. Um, that you know the 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 when the Blu Ray DV- DVD comes out, you'll be very. Uh, Excited to know that there is another ending on there. There's Interesting. An, yes, there's another ending. Um, I don't know how much to give away. You know, some of it's out there. I, I will say it doesn't go as well <laughs> <laughs> in this ending. Um but I, I had written many endings. I'd written many versions of the scripts, many endings. And uh the you know, the the, the original one we shot um I think uh left people uh wanting Something different. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't feel, without giving yeah. it away, I think without we can all away, kind you of get can, guess all can what guy, that, figure it out. But for, for me as well, I, you know, unsatisfied. I, was, I was so excited when I was able to go get the money to go reshoot the, the ending that I, I knew would, would would really work.
1: Yeah. Uh, was there a, a, a really insane ending that you're like, well, I'm not even going to bother with this one, but well, it would be crazy if we did yeah.
2: this. What was that? Well, there was one, there was one, a, a very early one that ends with. It took place in a gated community, which I kind of pulled back from that. And uh, But by the end, Rod comes to the, the break in the gated community, finds his way in. He's looking for uh, Chris. Um, and he sees Chris looking in a window in, on Main Street. And he goes, Chris! And Chris turns to him and goes, I assure you, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, here's the thing. You know, part of making this movie... You know, at several stops, I, I realized something about myself, at my identity as a filmmaker, and that is, you know, I think there's there's a lot of great artists that you know approach a move, a movie like any kind of art. This is a piece of self uh, expression. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, that's that's your problem. Right. And I kind of respect those people. Like those are th- that's badass. Right. <laughs> but, but to me, you know, I, I think probably from my comedy background, I want to make, I want, I want to serve the audience. I want them to get paid back for what they've they've given me with their attention. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thinking, what's what does the audience want? Right at every turn, what does the audience want out of this movie? Um, I don't want to I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. Well, I think that's
1: important because especially, I think that also comes from improv and sketch training where you realize as a performer, you were forming a relationship with the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's like, in life, you can, you know, it's fun to have compromises. Sometimes people come along and they're like, I am how I am. Fuck you if you don't like it. And you go, wow, that person's really attractive. But if you spent more than a week with them, you go, this is the <laughs> fucking worst narcissist. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, it's
2: not a... That's right. When it's just for them, yeah. it's, it's not always... And as... I'd always sort of thought, oh man, that's what you have to be to be a director. You have to be, you have to be like a... a a singular vision and unwavering and uncompromising. It's not that at all. Uh, you have to compromise a lot. It's just you have to know what can't be compromised. Right. Um, and uh, yeah. So it was. It was. But it, it was very exciting for me. You know, I, I knew I'm. A- I'm asking a lot of the audience. I'm asking you to come and sit in this movie. That's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be tense at times. And it's going to discuss uncomfortable, you know, it's going to be about race. Yeah. You know, it's like, do I want to go sit in a room and hear about race for two hours? Not really. But, um, so, so if they're going to come, I have to reward them with entertainment.
1: We're going to take a quick break. More with Jordan Peele when we come back. (laughs) Welcome back to Talk with Chris Hardwick. Tonight, Jordan Peele is talking with Chris Hardwick. Me. (laughs) Can you please remind the audience what you went to school for?
2: So I I majored in puppetry. (laughs) So I was a chick magnet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, puppetry is the major that that basically screams, I've got home problems. (laughs) No, I, I look. I will create
1: the life I wish I had.
2: <laughs> no, I uh, look. I, I, I was into. Uh, I was a visual artist first as, as a kid growing up, and then I found performing. I was at this uh, musical theater group called Tada uh-huh. in New York, so uh, for kids. That's really amazing original uh, shows, and so I got the acting bug, and I wanted to be a director. By the time I was thirteen, by the time I went to school, I went to Sarah Lawrence College, um, and I went there because it was. It looked awesome, and there was girls, and um, <laughs> it's a liberal arts college. So right. I, I took that to mean okay, I'm gonna declare my major, which puppetry. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. And by the way, they have a puppetry class. But um, by the second year, I'd fallen in love with, you know, what I consider the best puppet, the one you're born with, right? Like so this uh, your penis. My, 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 <laughs> I did a I did a I did a puppetry of the penis uh, tribute, tribute. What show. time is it? Sir?
1: <laughs> it's well, such a strange. But yeah, I know. You're, you're basically saying like you are the puppet,
2: so I'm the puppet, right? So that was my thing. And then I I, I left college to go do study improv and, and sketch in Chicago. And
1: which you know I I think no matter what sort of comedy discipline you're into, it's good to I I think good direct because sketch and improv are all about teamwork and stand-up is all about you know taking responsibility for everything and that's why why I think sketch and improv people are are better at doing stand-up than stand-ups are at doing sketch and improv because you really do have to understand how to work as a team and you have to trust people and you can't you shouldn 't railroad the scene, and that 's what stand ups do you know, so
2: yeah i mean well stand ups yeah yeah i mean i i definitely and also with, with sketch and improv i think it 's a different type of personality there 's a safety in numbers and there 's a and, and there there 's a desire to to collaborate there in right. in a, in a um, I know a lot of stand-ups. Is, it's, it seems a little more competitive a field. Well, your wife is a stand-up. Wife is a stand-up. Is a great stand-up. Gra- yeah, fantastic stand-up. And R- little Rel Howery is a stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think uh, they, you know they're good examples of what a stand-up gets in training that sketch and improvisers don't, which is they know themselves and they know their humor. They know who they are. Right. And so the performance that Rel does in Get Out, for example, as Rod, it's so it's kind of the most it's it's strangely the most realistic per, you know character in a way and you just believe this guy he's being real i mean he he probably has um he, you know he, he probably has, you know less formal training than uh, any of the other people but he really connects because he knows his voice right and he's so comfortable in his voice and uh it's uh it, it it's so cool for me to uh Especially as a director, to learn, figure out how to work with the different actors and different styles, because everybody's, everybody's, um, everybody's got a unique way of working. Yeah. Did the sketch and improv training ever provide any real-world application? I don't know if this is real-world, but there was this weird program that I I made like a quick buck on, where they would there was this test that they would give to. perspective principals of public schools in Chicago and part of the test was that I this improviser, local improviser would come in and play either a kid or a teacher <laughs> that they would have to like discipline or deal with and then at the end of this I would be like <laughs> I would be like I think uh, Mr. Bugsy would make a good principal <laughs> Mr. Wilcott, <laughs> not so
1: much. So it's kind of like a cross between Twenty One Jump Street and So You Think You Can Dance. Is basically. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and it was way too much power for the, for the, improviser. the kid from Improv Olympic who pops over <laughs> and is like this, you know, essentially deciding the fate of the future. But it was, you know, it was like these little scenarios. Like I would. Uh, you know, either I would be playing a teacher who had um, crossed the boundary or something, and right. th- this principal had to be like, "Well, you're going to have to be a relieved of your duty, <laughs> uh, you, <sir." laughs> you know, th- You're not welcome back." I don't know why he's like old Louisiana. I don't know it. You know, what- <laughs> you know, Chicagoan, um, but yeah, that that was a, a weird one, and um, um, but but fun. I mean the. the Improv, to me, is one of the great things. Like, anybody can benefit from taking improv class. Yes. Doesn't matter what you do, it is something that will, I, I think, enhances your life, if-, if nothing more than the fact that it's fun.
1: Yeah, and you, I know you did improv in Amsterdam, right? The B- Boom Chicago, yeah. you did yeah. improv in Amsterdam. So what is, what is Amsterdam
2: improv like? <laughs> well, it's you know, so Boom Chicago is this amazing company that sort of operates like Second City style improv and sketch. Um, very much based on Amsterdam, and the and you know, uh, you know they perform in English obviously because you know it turns out Amsterdam has m- mostly uh, English speakers. Am I saying there. it wrong? Yeah, I know. I I, I purposely made the I, I said Amsterdam in an earlier and in, in an earlier interview. And someone corrected you? No, I just realized. You know what? I'm going to start going with Amsterdam. <laughs> Are you doing that just to f*** with people? No, it's, it's actually... That's how actually Dutch supposed to say that? it. That's how the Dutch presents it. Amsterdam. Because I can't be like, yeah, I lived in Amsterdam for three uh, years. Like, I think it was like a Holland uh, newspaper or something I was talking Uh We right say now. Holland. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> actually, that's actually kind of appropriate. Hey, there you go. It is the land of Holland. I mean, it technically is. <laughs> it was right there <laughs> the whole time.
1: <laughs> what is the craziest thing that happened at, at Amsterdam? I, I, uh. yeah. Mm, get you Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Oh, the all
2: oh, the Dutch yes. tweets are
1: gonna come rolling it's gonna in. Start
2: rolling in. Yes. This was kind of uh, legendary. I mean, we were doing an improv game called okay. The Dream. Okay. And uh, you know, I, it, the Dream is something you get on stage. You get a volunteer on stage. You ask them about their day, and then you do an improv game about you know their day. You start right. Shows so, shows So, Burnt Reynolds is in the crowd. He's in the audience. <laughs> Got him, hey, man, Burt Reynolds, come on up. So he gets up and he's, uh, you know, he's answering the questions. And at some point, some kind of rowdy British guy in, in, like, the back row. So he's going, hey, what about your hair, mate? You know, he's like, was well, it come off your head, mate? Oh, no. You know, this, and so, like, everyone's like... <gasps> and Burt Reynolds just stops the show and he goes, who said that? <laughs> you. Come here. And the whole crowd's like, <laughs> and we're, like, applauding, and the guy comes to stage, and the guy just totally comes with just red face. Bert stands on stage, and he goes, I'll give you to the count of ten for you to pull this wig off my head, as you called it. <laughs> and, it and if you don't, if you wait like to the count of ten, I'm going to knock you out. And but, so, look, long, there's, no, there's no real twist or ending to this. It was, it was the crowd went crazy at that moment. Um, was but, he serious about it? You know, he was wor- half working the crowd, but nobody—certainly the guy on stage—was just like. <laughs> 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 it was just such a powerful moment, and it was like watching Burt Reynolds take this like thing that could have been humiliating and belittling, and turned it in this one—the entire room. It's like. That's, that's, a, that's a showman And
1: then Burt Reynolds beat the living Burt
2: shit Burt <laughs> took the guy outside Killed beat him, him with, with his, his bare hands Killed him with his bare hands And, uh, and uh, the, the, the guy was buried with Burt Reynolds uh, <laughs> Wig <laughs>
1: <His hand.
2: laughs> He got the wig He got the wig and and He had to kill him
1: been, <laughs> He to kill him <laughs> Before we go to break You should know you can get the extended version of this interview As a Nerdist Podcast Go to amc.com slash talking For bonus clips Exclusive content, links to the podcast for every one of our episodes More with Jordan Peele in a moment, we'll be right back <laughs> Hello, we are back with Mr. Jordan Peele um, let's, have some, uh, let's have the audience uh, ask a couple questions if they want to uh, what, what is your name?
0: Hi, I'm Kanji from Detroit And my question is, if you could pick any Key and Peele skit to make into a movie, what would you pick?
2: Um, you know, my wife always asked me for a Megan movie <laughs> Megan and Andre <laughs> So you know, maybe 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 that. Excellent. It's not gonna happen. (laughs) (laughs) What do I have for you? You get get a little Jordan Peele signed paraphernalia. Um, About that? Yeah. How about that? Oh, this would be great. Uh, I'll let you pick
1: which one. The top. Okay. The top. Here you go. Signed (laughs) by Jordan Peele.
2: All right. Great. That's a. That's an amazing artist that uh, is, oh, I don't know who it is. We have a video message. Uh, Take a look.
1: Hi, I'm Doug from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my
2: question is, what was your favorite character to play or your favorite sketch from Key and Peele? Favorite character to play, oh, the Continental Breakfast guy. Okay, you know Conrad. That's what we named him the second time. But uh, yeah, it was—it's like this guy, this 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 tramp character. He's—he's he's the guy who goes to the Continental breakfast, and, and he's like, hmm, Continental, you say <laughs> Okay. I like the sound of that. So all all the continents. It's <laughs> one. Hm. All five of them. Very nice. Not too shabby. What was Here's your good- writing process for that? <laughs> I mean,
1: because it was this. It was this, it was this yeah. right here. Because it is, I and mean, we talked a little bit about this when you're on the podcast, but you know, you're doing the show, and you guys, I feel like you really did go out on top on that show. Oh, did it you. feel like, ah, uh, you know, if we, we're going to overstay our welcome, or like, ah, uh, we just don't, did you just sort of, did, did you just get exhausted from the process? Because it sounds it's like l- a pretty exhausted. It's a
2: little all of that. I, you know, I think. I think we would have known if we could have uh, if we had a better season in us, and I just think we you know it, it wasn't feeling like that, and right. you know for you know we we both had pro- you know he's he's an amazing dramatic actor he's he's very interested in ge- in doing more more of that yeah um, I had this movie that you know I, I felt was uh, you know gonna you know was that's where my passion was taking me so it was just you know it was it was very easy. For us, really, and it was great. It, it, it felt great to be able to do. You know, we had a lot of fans reach out and, you know, want, wanted us to stay. But, um, you know, I think we knew we had uh, m- m- things that were pulling us.
1: Let's take a question from our audience. Get on up here and ask your question. Hi, I'm Josh from Michigan. Um,
2: wh- who were your first comedic influences? First comedic influence, I, I think. Um, Steve Martin, Martin Lawrence, the two Martins. <laughs> <laughs> Together again? <laughs> Together. Actually, that would be the best movie <laughs> right now. I would watch that. Which Steve Martin album? Well, for me, it was, you know, it was, it was the movies. You know, it right. was, it was, it was like Dirty, well, Jerk, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yep. Um, you know, Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. Um, and then Martin was, was the, the show Martin, which is, you know, I think the, the kind of the best performance, the best sitcom performance of, of all time. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, directed by who? Uh, Frank Oz. Who was what? A A
1: puppeteer. puppeteer.
2: Hey, come on. It's Miss Piggy. That's right. (laughs) And there you go.
0: All right.
1: (laughs) We have a video message. Let's take a look.
0: Hi, my name is Lily from Edmonds, Washington. And my question is, what is the first movie you want to show your future child? (gasps) Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, that is because... Congratulations Thank by the you.
2: way on the future child. I think, I think the omen. <laughs> 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 uh, song, song, Put it up by the crib. What could yeah. go wrong? Put it yes. on repeat. Um, Kids love Damien. You know, I'm, I'm excited for the day I can show my my kid um, uh, the never ending story. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I think Muppet Movie for me. Muppet Movie. Muppet Muppet Movie movie broke my heart because of Sweetums.
1: Oh, hey, guys. Wait for me. (laughs) Um, As as we are letting you go, one thing that I like to ask people at the end of the show is just some bit of wisdom. I mean, you uh, absolutely are an inspiration to people because I feel like, especially coming out of Key and Peele, I think there were so many different ways that you could have gone that were more comedy based or more, you know, I'm going to be a comedic actor, but you really made this thing, uh, that was very important to you and you saw it through and it, it absolutely paid off in every way possible. So what, you know, what's a piece of wisdom that you would say to creators out there?
2: I, you know, this is what I say to creators. The, the biggest thing that stops us from doing what we're doing is things is is we don't follow the fun of it. Don't follow the practicality. Don't follow what's going to get this sold. What's going to make this good. If you're making a movie, you're writing your favorite movie that doesn't exist. And there's nothing more fun than that if you think about it. If you think about going home, you get to imagine what's the movie you wish somebody would make for you. Um, Follow the fun. Excellent. Jordan Peel, I want to thank you so much. Get Out is available on digital
1: right now. Blu ray and DVD, uh, May 23rd. And always check us out at Talking on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out who's going to be on the show, how you can be a part of it. We could not do the show without you, so thank you so much. I'm Chris Hardwick at Hardwick on the tweets, on the Instagram, on the Facebook. Janae, don't text and drive. Jordan Peel! Jordan Peel has been my guest.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com.